1: Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500, 500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500,
2: 500 Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 974. Wow, 974. Slowly creeping our way to a thousand. When's that going to be? February? March? I don't know. I should have thought about it before I started talking about it. But if you want to think about something, you could think about submitting your event or thing you made to events at ID10T.com so that uh, I can uh, talk about it and let people know in the community that uh, might want to check it out or support you, like Michael Haidt, who writes... After too many years of reading, watching, and playing around with my food, my good friends Mike, Sarah, and I found something that we love to do each week. Create stuff in the form of a podcast. We've decided to carve out a little place as a weekly podcast with a goal to help people get into cooking. Each week, we make food approachable by selecting one dish that makes cooking fun and easy. We post the recipes on our website, foodandfury.com, and rework recipes to make the kitchen less daunting while keeping our geeky movie and game references. For those who have spent a few hours in Azeroth, you might find familiar voice in our intro. We all eat. Let's eat Something good together. Find us at foodandfury.com on Twitter and Instagram, Food and Fury Show, and uh, check it out wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to gather your sword and board. Let's enter the kitchen with Food and Fury. Also, Andy Bergman. Oh, it's so hard not to say his name like Bergman. It's hard not to go Birdman on that, Andy. I apologize if that is something that people do at you all the time, thinking that they are original and doing it for the first time. Any time you think you have some take on someone's name, you don't. They already have it. I know my last name, Hardwick, turns into um, really horrible things. I'm aware of that. And yet still, people are like, hey, 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 still, I'm in my 40s. And so are they. So maybe that's a little on them. And maybe this was a little on me. Andy Bergman. It just sounds so good. But the important thing is that... uh, um Andy has created uh, an amazing game that's on Kickstarter. It's called Yaz. Yaz is a totally unique new collaborative board game. Gameplay takes place in the ancient land of Yaz, where a band of characters sets out on an epic journey to navigate the terrain, collect gems, and become powerful enough to capture a treasure of golden riches from the castle of Yaz. It's a completely homegrown adventure game where every detail of the handcrafted experience has been meticulously designed down to the felt-lined wooden box it lives in. Support Yaz on Kickstarter today and begin your adventure. Um, I did when he sent me this email I went on. I looked at it. The game looks rad. And so I I backed it on Kickstarter. uh, Just go to Kickstarter and look for Yaz, a world of adventure. Um, So nice job, Andy. This episode is Ron Perlman uh who I we were trying to do the math, but we think it's the fourth time that he's been back on. I mean, why go back and look these things up, which would be so easy to do? Let's just say it's number four. Uh but Ron, Uncle Ron, I like to call him Uncle Ron. He's the fucking best. God, I love that guy. He is promoting his new film, Asher, in theaters, VOD and digital on December seventh, which has already happened, so that means it is out. Um so listen, Ron is huggable and amazing. And, um, you know, and also a karaoke superstar. And maybe that turns up later in the podcast. And maybe I butcher part of it. But Ron's part is great. And in the end, isn't that all that really matters? (laughs) Okay, you kids. (laughs) Go on home. Okay. Here's the ID10T podcast number 974 with Ron Pearl Man!
0: Initiating ID10T Protocol.
3: So uh appreciate your your uh, your uh, generosity here in getting this banging us out.
2: I appreciate you. I think this is the is this your fourth appearance on the podcast? Fourth or fifth? This
3: would be this would well, I can remember three others. Yeah.
2: So but there may have been another one. There might have been another one. This is at least but the fourth this one. This is at least the fourth. I mean, I feel like you know, we should just start issuing badges to people, like Boy Scout badges. sinking badges. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Maybe that's what it should say. Do you want me to open that for you? There just you go. A, oh, you got it. Just give me a sec. <laughs> Before he just takes the bottle of water and smashes nobody, it on the table. Nobody likes
3: a wise ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to open that for you. I, and I was like 50-50. I, I should say yes. But then you figured it out. I thought I knew everything, and then I realized.
2: This was just the last thing that you didn't know, and now you've solved that. So, so nothing, where, do you, where do you go from here? Do you, would, you, would you want to know everything there is to know about the universe, or do you feel like, Oh, oh no. Are no. Are you no. I
3: feel like I know way, way more than I, than, than, I'm not comfortable with what I know, and
2: I don't know anything. <laughs> You're right. But I'm really uncomfortable with what I do know. Do you think we know too much as a... Information is good, for sure information is good, but do you feel like we know too much about stuff because of, you know, just because of how freely available information is? Or do you think knowledge is always better? Um,
3: no, I think that there's such a thing as, as um, sensory overload and, and um, there's so much happening in the world That you want to be concerned about, but that you you have no control over, doing anything about to to make it better. Mm -hmm. And each one of those incidents that you have to process and deal with, and and then come to the conclusion like I can't do a fucking thing about that to make that better, right? To help those people, whatever you know, the fires, for instance, right? It kind of takes a little bit of something out of you. I feel. Like I feel, I feel, and I've been hearing, you know, uh, you know, visceral responses to, you know, the politics of the last two years. Like people, you know, are seeing their shrink more often. You know, families are are getting into places where they don't speak to each other anymore. You know, venerable relationships are being destroyed. Um, so you know, you get you get to the point where if you are bombarded and you know now that we're in, we're you know we're truly in this 24-hour news cycle and we have more networks and and channels and things to fill up than we ever had before plus that's not even counting the internet you know right um which we have inured ourselves to in a way where it's become indispensable or at least we think it has um there's a, a, desensitiza- a desensitization, desensitizing. Mm-hmm. What's the word? I'm looking
2: that was the word. Yeah, we're desensitized to to all of
3: the that uh, that is um, not useful. I don't think it's not useful. Um, and 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 you know, some people are are, are more well armed to deal with these slings and arrows than others. And uh, but it's 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 a good recipe for if you're a little bit you know like. You know somebody whose balance can be fucked with—it's a recipe for uh, for like you know having a profound effect on things that you have no control over, or that's kind of none of your business. Then, then, then it
2: should. Yeah, I mean,
3: we are. We're not that, I mean, 20- that was—I would—I didn't expect to go doom and gloom on you this quickly in the in the interview. Yeah,
2: I know, but we'll be at dick jokes in no time. Uh, twenty-four. 24- <laughs> no time whatsoever. That was our first one,
3: right? The physical congratulations. You got you know, it. In. You know what, the You pod- got it in there, didn't you? The, the podcast. I have
2: faith in you. <laughs> the podcast doesn't. It's the one unfortunate thing about not doing videos. People couldn't see the comedy take. You took a beat, holding your water. You stared at me, and then took a sip. It was so flawlessly executed and lost on the audio podcast experience lost but we knew it happened you and i
3: knew it happened which is why this is my fourth time here is because (laughs) we really don't give a fuck
2: what anybody thinks we're just going to keep talking and say nothing to each other that's exactly but ron some of my favorite podcasts of the entire series of this podcast have been with you because of i
3: appreciate that And, and vice versa this is far and away You know, it was my very first ever. I didn't know what a podcast was. Really, first time. Oh my god! You're my
2: very first podcast. I didn't know that. Now, I mean, look what you've spawned. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. Do you do podcasts? Are you seeing other podcasts run, Perlman? I'm the only. I'm the only one that I know that doesn't have his own podcast. It's been, and soon that, that, sh- I feel like that, should. we think we talked about this the last time you should do a podcast and you're like, what the fuck am I going to talk about? I don't know. I just, I feel like you'd, Even I'm those- not, I'm not really good
3: at, at giving a shit about what anybody else thinks, which is why, like what you do is like you, you know, you're able to like the, the really great podcasters and interviewers in, in general, they're, they they, there's, they have a space somewhere inside of them where, where they're really curious about what other people what other, what other people think and feel. I'm not that guy. I just you know I don't give a fuck what you're going through right now. I don't want to know what you think about anything. But I'm so grateful you're asking for my opinion. Because that I really care about.
2: That's why you don't have guests on. You just you just do like a ten minute monologue. Your podcast can just be like 10, 12 minutes okay. of just like you know like a uh, weekly
3: dose of Perlman. That's the that's the best pitch I've gotten so far today. Anyway,
2: that's all you need. All it great. doesn't have to be an hour. You don't have to talk to anybody. You it doesn't it can be you know like one week could be like some in depth thing about politics. The next one could just be about you know a bowl of cornflakes that you had that you were either happy or angry mm-hmm. about. It doesn't matter. It's that. I and you could bang them all out pretty quickly. I just think I think the world would appreciate a promen cast. That's uh, all. Thank just you.
3: sit with it. Well, the the thought it thought is beautiful. Um, it'll never happen. But, you, but uh, no, it it may it may actually because uh, um, um, I see I see great value. You know, get, getting back to what we we're just talking about, where you know you're absorbing all this stuff and you. You, you don't have an outlet for it. Mm-hmm. Talking to your friends is the ultimate salve. salve. Salve, Sav? save, Sav? sove, sove. I think it's so. How do you spell it? S a l v e. Yep,
2: salve. Spoken like a true uh, spelling bee champion. <laughs> yeah, I think the L is silent. Sav. It's a it's a healing salve. The, the, <laughs> the scars of the soul.
3: How does an L be silent? But I do. I feel like I feel like collegiality is, is 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 truly the answer. And sitting around, getting shit off your chest, and you know, like talking to your friends, like how you doing with this? What are you? What what's going on with you with all this? Stuff?
2: But in the real world, like getting together in the physical universe and talking to people. But whenever I do a podcast with you, I walk away feeling like I just had an exchange
3: with somebody who you know sometimes thinks the way I do, but sometimes doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, 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 um, it's just the human contact of it all is, is, uh, useful.
2: Yeah. Our, our, uh, listen, our, our, our techno world is very isolating and it's very easy to, cause you don't really have to leave your house for anything. You know, you can send people direct messages, people deliver groceries to you. You can play game. Like you don't need to do anything. And when you start – but when you do force yourself to go out, shut your phone off, talk to people, experience something, you do feel this very primal like, oh, I think this is what I'm supposed to do more often. I think this is actually how I'm supposed to – maybe not for, you know, the Generation Z, the little kids now because, you know, they were born into this techno world. But certainly those of us who remember a pre-techno world, Mm. you know, like maybe this is what we're supposed to do more Mm. often.
3: Mm. Well, it um – it, it 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 works and 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 you go Jesus, why don't i do that more often and then you just go back to your <laughs> you horrible back to your- <laughs> shitty piece of shit private life where you know you just pull down the shades and and um,
2: right uh, fuck off on the door and, and, yeah, shut the and, door and,
3: and 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 you know just cut off any opportunity for human contact whatsoever
2: but it's not you were right about i mean it's then. It's even more than just a twenty-four hour new. Like tw- like CNN sort of created, like cable news created the twenty-four hour news cycle. Now we're in a three hundred and sixty degree news cycle, because at least the twenty-four hour news cycle from twenty years ago, you had to go to seek it out, and now it's just you. It's just everywhere. Everywhere you turn is a news cycle, and uh, and it's really hard to get away from it. And it's also. We have to remind ourselves that while it is important to hear about what's going on in the world, it is all still like for commercial purposes, you know, like our our kind of our emotions and our outrage are really kind of being farmed for ads, you know, for clicks and sponsorships and stuff. And it's that's why it's important to unplug that sometimes.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They're um they're coming after our credit card numbers, man. That's what <laughs> we are. Are you
2: still? Are. Uh, are you still yelling at people on Twitter? How, how you doing? On, how you doing with Twitter? I've gotten to the point
3: where I'm a little bit. Yes, I. The short answer is yes. Okay. I'm never going to stop yelling at people in whatever outlet I have for that. I, <laughs> Good. And Twitter is 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 the easiest. Mm-hmm. Now that they've gone to 280 characters.
2: man. Oh, wow. It's like you've doubled your productivity. I'm,
3: I feel like I'm writing the Declaration of Independence every <laughs> fucking day. Like, this is a doctrine. This is no longer a tweet. Chapter this, one. This is this is a doctrine. This is this is you know this is uh, um this is important. Mm-hmm. Like this 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 should be chronicled. Yeah. The chronicles of Rondia.
2: Oh, that's your podcast name. You just fucking came up with the name. It's sort of like you know. You, name, you named a goat, you know, like thought, you, you named a cow. Now you can't kill it. Now I, you got to live with it.
3: I thought, my, the, I thought the name that I came up with for my, my very first um, foray into social media was because I was one of those guys, you know, I mean, I thought the word tweet mm-hmm. and the act of tweeting mm-hmm. and the notion of Twitter had connotations that were like did not match my 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 self imposed little
2: precious a little my tweet. Self
3: imposed yeah. version of my own manhood. Right. Um I'm so mad I'm gonna
2: tweet about this.
3: Yes. Yeah, so I just didn't and I, I was one of those guys who said, yeah, I'll you know, over my fucking dead body. <laughs> and I happen to be in an environment where all my friends who I thought were like, you know, never gonna succumb to it, all started getting on social media and you know and then they, so in order for them to justify their piece of shit you know ex- existences they just want you know misery loves company so they, they now want to recruit you know wh- whoever whatever cool guy is left in the group like who's not on twitter right we got to get him on yeah because that'll make us feel yeah know. let's ruin his life too and so uh um What's my, what's, what's, you know, how am I coming out into this world? And Pearl mutation
2: I remember, yeah, I remember.
3: Which is my handle. Um, I think, I thought I couldn't do better than that. But the Chronicles of Rondia. I don't know where, that sounds a little...
2: Chronicles of Rania. It'd be Rania. Wouldn't it be Rania? Rani- Rania Yeah, Chronicles of Rania. I mean, you could call it Promutations just to keep it consistent with the Twitter account. No, but that's that's done already. Chronicles yeah. of Rania is pretty great. That's a conquered world, Chris. We don't we 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 have
3: many worlds. Chronicles left of Rania to is
2: great. Yeah, and that's that's the idea behind the CS Lewis novels. There are many worlds, many realities, many pools to jump in. And also Chronicles of Rania is just about whatever is whatever you're kind of dealing with that day the big ticket items little ticket items Mm -hmm. you know whatever it is Mm -hmm. I mean just think about it I just think it's a thing people would want
3: you're selling me here
2: (laughs) and you could record it in no time like it wouldn't take any time you know you travel a lot you know like if you're bored in a hotel room I don't know They just you know just fucking record it into your phone you have a studio in your pocket Ron you could fucking do this no problem
3: so for those of you who you know are only imagining what you know what it's like to sit across the, the table from Chris here mm-hmm. and do this. He's got world class mics on on incredibly cute, very effective stands mm-hmm. with with what kind of what do you call these cables? Axi ax something cables.
2: These are XLRs.
3: XLR cable. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is like, can I have all this stuff? Are you would you bequeath me this so that I can actually you know.
2: Would I bequeath it to you? <laughs> That's what you said. Bequeath. Okay, bequeath. That's much different. <laughs> if you started a if, podcast, if you
3: wanted, if you wanted to bequeath it to me,
2: I'll bequeath it to you. Yeah,
3: I'll bequeath. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I just.
2: Uh, I'm telling you, if you agreed to do it, I would. I would. I would send you. I would send you a recorder you, as would get my starter kit. I would give you the, the podcast starter kit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to leave my address at the door before I leave. You know what you can get, actually, is that um, Zoom, the company that makes the recorders, make a really cool, like, like microphones that you just plug into your phone, and it makes your phone sound like these microphones.
3: Is that right? Yeah. Oh, well, then, fuck f- it up. Yeah. Keep these. Keep fuck these.
2: Out. Okay. Oh, now you're giving back the <laughs> starter kit.
3: Nah, way too cumbersome.
2: <laughs> I'm so, you're right. All you need to do is carry a microphone around, and when you get pulled over, you know, like when TSA pulls out and go, what's this? You go, I'm a fucking podcaster. Mm-hmm. Chronicles of Rania.
3: Be careful how you, with that that cavity search you're about to do, sir, because <laughs> this is all being recorded. I know. I it's, got a camera coming out of my appendix. I know motherfucker. it's weird
2: <laughs> to put a camera in my in, butt, in, but
3: in my appendix.
2: <laughs> but I'm a podcaster
3: because I I never knew what my appendix was useful for. Now I found
2: I found the ultimate way as a storage locker. You're exactly. using it as a storage locker, and, and also you know 3D. Are you traveling a lot this year? You said you were going to Cape Town. I'm going. To, I'm about to go uh,
3: to Cape Town uh, later in the week uh, to do a little picture for Sony mm-hmm. called Monster Hunter with uh, the beautiful Mila Yovovich. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the scintillating Tony Jaa, my little brother. Nice. My little Thai brother. Um, and yeah, and, um, yeah I'm, 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 for some strange reason, 2018 was like, Seemed like I was fifty-two weeks on the road, yeah, one way or another. I I so. Um, no, I got nothing. I'm, I, I, Are I got
2: you the nothing. guy that's always? Are do you kind of do you kind of have that John Wick existence where you're constantly like, I just want to retire and be, and then you get the call and they're like, We need you in this, and you're like, Fuck! All right, one more. I'll do one more, and then but then that just keeps going. I'm the guy who
3: you know for the first. Almost 50 years of his life just wanted to work all the time and 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 couldn't get ar- arrested. I mean, I did a couple of really cool things, yeah. you know, in my, in my 20s and 30s and 40s, but I really didn't get going until I was like around 50, mm-hmm. where you know there was a, a a real kind of a frenzy, you know, like a r- regularity to my being employed and and I'm at this point now where. You know, I'm I'm making up for all that downtime that I had, Mm -hmm. so I can't say no. I I say (laughs) yes to everything. Like, you know, I'll I'll go shopping for you. Yep. If the price is right, like I'll I'll go I'll go to Gelson's for you and pick up all your (laughs) forget Amazon Ronazon.
2: Ronazon or (laughs) Amaran Amaran Fresh. (laughs) <laughs> that would be amazing if you just showed up at someone's house with a bunch of groceries mm-hmm. like here's your uh, here's your groceries oh you forgot the I oh, don't give a fuck <laughs> who got the
3: large curd cottage cheese <laughs> was that you <laughs> you look
2: like a small curd kind of guy someone's- did i misjudge you someone's not gonna shit for a week anyway <laughs> what no tip piece of shit
3: no, the tip's included. Don't worry about that, though. <laughs> they don't call me Perlman for nothing. I got that all wired. <laughs>
2: you have that figured out. Yeah,
3: that's hardwired, baby. Did you
2: take any time for yourself? 30, 30%? This? 30%? Okay. 30% markup? Yeah. You know what? It's worth it. If you shut up the door, it it's worth it. I got jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and when you don't? Who and when I shit? don't, you know, give Too me bad. the thirty percent anyway. Who gives a fuck? Do you did you take any time for yourself this year at all? Like in this in this sort of like frenzy to to do all the jobs. Well, the the, the funny thing is,
3: is that the work itself, like everything that I've been doing, which seems, you know, you could interpret it in any number of ways. But my, my love, my, my joy is being on a movie set with people who. Who I you know who blow my mind about how cool and talented they are, and we're solving the problem of making this movie, and hopefully maybe maybe even we're making something cool. That still is like being on vacation for me. Mm-hmm. That's like my version of going to you know Bali, and you know and 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 soaking up the sun, and you know and hanging out with uh, you know who you hang out with in Bali, the Balinese. Yeah there you go i knew he'd know i knew he'd know what else do i need for you to tell me i don't know i'm here um, to- but anyway um so so uh but the you know air, airplanes are like i'm finding out are, are very unhealthy like the air in an airplane is is, is not real air you just know? that recycled yeah it's it's just shit and then, you know, the, the, that whole pressurized, depressurized, unpressurized, 35,000 down to 28 because it's turbulent. You know, you know, it's a drag. So that part, that's the trade off. The trade off is like I'm, I'm a little burnt out from, from, uh, from what, it, what you have to do to go to, to have all of the, the nachos and the joy and the good luck and the good fortune and the great memories that I'm getting to have by doing all this stuff. So, but I don't dare ask God to like, you know, lighten up on the on the on on, right. on the opportunities because you know, it's I know, I know what famine is like and, and I'm 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 happy to be part of the feasting.
2: Yeah, I know you got to catch yourself complaining. Oh, I can't believe I got a I uh, it's not, I'm fine. It's fine. You need to make sure the universe yeah. hears you. No, I'm fine. Eh, yeah, yeah. I'm not need no, to am. complain. I'm, I'm
3: I'm I'm really good.
2: It is no. it's kind of funny that people do complain about being on a set They're like, yeah, you know, you just sit in your trailer most of the time. But it seems like, well, you know, you'd have some time to yourself. You can read. You could learn your lines. You could figure out how to be a better person. You could learn a language. It seems like you could do a lot in, you know. I personally nap. You could nap as much as possible.
3: Napping in my trailer is no one will ever know how many hours I've spent asleep. (laughs)
2: Because in a 13, like, let's say you're in like a, well, let's say like a 13-hour day on set. How much of that time are you actually doing the thing you're paid to do?
3: It varies. I mean, there's no real right answer to that. I mean, there there are certain DPs that I've worked with, you know, who the ratio of how long it takes for them to light a scene and the amount of time it takes to shoot that scene is like 8 to 1. Right. The DP is lighting. Right. You know, and then you're on, you know, and the, on those movies... I have never looked better. I mean, I'm so well rested. Like you know, the, you know. <laughs> well, you're no, napping, yeah. There, you there's no bags under my eyes. You know, I'm like, uh, I, I'm I got pep in my step. It's beautiful. But then there are days when you're you just can't wait to get offset because you're just like you know, you're just there like you know, relentlessly. You know, the only the only break you get is lunch. Um, either way is fine with
2: me. Have you ever been in a situation where you're shooting and you're just you're just tired and you kind of don't feel like being there, and in your mind you're sort of just phoning in all your lines and then you see the movie and you go, I was actually pretty good in that. <laughs>
3: yeah, no. Take, it, it, it took me 50 years to realize the power of phoning it in. <laughs> really? Yeah, because, I mean, people, people, you know, now that I've, like, you know, um, entered into the autumn of my years Mm-hmm. when i was 45 no
2: it oh yeah. you gotta we gotta fucking i we really you gotta, gotta do a little karaoke
3: i just did but anyway the um you know when i was younger i, I didn't appreciate the actors that i do now like uh you know everybody said, well, John Wayne, you know you know he's the biggest box office star he's but he' he's not acting he's just he's just being himself mm-hmm. and it took me like a long, long, long time to realize how hard it was to do that so to 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 be so natural on screen that no one thinks you're acting, yeah, that everybody just thinks." You're saying these lines because they're your lines, and you're saying them the way you... I mean. Yeah. No, that that's 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 like the art of it all is 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 to disappear completely into the into the guides, so that it, so that you know there's no effort, right? And uh, so my 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 version of uh, of a great performance you know, at my age now is, is different than it was when I was in my 20s and 30s. You know, people were doing all these gyrations and, and you know, shaking their ass and, you know, just being like, holy shit, that, that's, that's like, he should be on the Sullivan show. <laughs> that's like a variety act. <laughs> you know, and, and now I'm like I'm looking at Ray Milland and going, he's not doing anything. He's just breathing. You can't take your eyes off him, though, because it's like when you see something that's that, authentic and that simple and that human and that pure that's what we're looking for
2: yeah because when you're the tap dancing you're talking about that people do like what we all do when we're young we're thinking look at me look at me look at me and if you're thinking look at me then your heads then you're thinking about the external world you're thinking about other people you're thinking thinking about you're not being centered and focused and then I think when you get older you just don't care (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. I don't, I don't care, yeah. you know. So you let all that go,
3: and and then you, you like the the the. Uh, I can't tell this story. It would be insulting to one of the people in the story, and I I never do. I never want to insult one of my fellow performers. But I learned a lesson. I watched. Uh, I I had the opportunity to um, see, spend a lot of time with Sinatra. In the last ten years of his life, because mm-hmm. he used to he used to throw this charity tournament every year, and he would perform at it. And um, he always had two acts that opened, and then he would he would he would on the Saturday night of the of the of this tournament he would they it would be like this amazing show, and the two acts that preceded him made every move you could fucking make. I mean, you know, they were wrapping the mic around their neck, you know, the the wire, they, were, they had dance moves, they had, you know, it was flawless, you know, and it was putting me to sleep. <laughs> and then Sinatra would come on stage and was so old and so fighting with dementia already that all he could do was basically sit there and not move and you couldn't take your eyes off him. And it was one of the great lessons in performing is like, it's not about, you know. It's not about anything other than presence. You know, he was he was just not doing a thing. But except,
2: he had to work for that many decades to get to that point. I'd, I'd, well, he was one of those guys that
3: that had the secret from the get go. I mean, you know, he he always knew about the simplicity of it all. But uh, as he got older, as as we all get older, we we just tend to understand that it's. You know, it's uh, it's the simplicity.
2: I heard a story about uh, I was in a was in a book I was reading, and it was uh, I think it was you know Picasso when he was older, you know, much much older. He was in a cafe and he was doodling on a napkin, and this woman came up to him. And she was like, "Oh, can I can I have that?" Can I have that doodle? He crumpled it up. He's going to throw it away. She goes, I'll pay you for it. And he goes, okay, $20,000. And she's like, what? It took you like a minute to draw that. And he said, no, it took me 60 years. And then she obviously wasn't going to pay the 20 grand. So he just put the napkin in his pocket and walked out. It's like, yeah, it takes that, you know, to master a craft. You know, it's not just, it's the sum total of everything that you had to go through to get to that point. Right. But you think Sinatra was there from day one. I mean, obviously he was, you know, I know he was a heartthrob in the, you know, in the thirties, you know, he had the, just that, even a different vocal quality than I think what people tend to think of a Sinatra song. He he had a real fluid, beautiful voice. And then later on, this guy, you know. He didn't have that voice when he was in his 30s. Cigarettes probably. Cigarettes and Jack Daniels took took some of that away, mm-hmm. but uh, but he was he was almost never not. I call the, the, the early period his boy scout. He I was, know. yeah, exactly. It's like bright blue eyes and, and every every girl
3: and you know, the whole thing about the Bobby Soxers and women screaming because he was like the first artist that they screamed over. You know, they, yeah. everybody thought it was like Elvis and the Beatles. No, it was Frankie Boy back in the 40s. Because they all just wanted to fuck him. Like he, he was this innocent, you know, wide-eyed kid that weighed about sixty-seven pounds. Yeah,
2: he was a, a wisp of a guy.
3: And and he was just like his his voice was angelic. He hadn't ravaged it yet with the uh, you know <laughs> with the, life, <laughs> the booze and the broads, and you yeah. know, hanging with Dino and Sammy and Joey yeah. and you know Peter. Um, but uh, so that was his Boy Scout period. But but there was this thing that went all, went all through all the period because i'm i 'm obsessed with Sinatra um, and I really really never never stopped studying him because every single time i hear i I've, I've, i hear a, a performance that i 've been listening to literally my whole life because Sinatra was the background music of me growing up. my dad was a musician back in the swing days so his heroes were Tommy Dorsey and 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 Harry James the guys who taught Frank mm-hmm. all that genius that he had about phrasing about about the way he breathed the what you know the which is which is what colored his artistry to such a great degree and there was also this simplicity that made it look like he wasn't hard he was hardly working but now that I'm listening to things that I've actually heard over a thousand times I'm still hearing Holy shit, that was a choice he made, that phrasing. That was, a, that was like, a, 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 he conceived how long he was going to hold that note or how long he wasn't going to hold that note or whether he, whether he was going to modulate. And, I mean, it's like, Frank is like, musically, like Mozart. You know, like, he, he's that sophisticated. He's that, he was in that much control of his artistry. Um, but we, we're we not here to talk about fucking Frank. I
2: do want to talk about fucking Frank for a sec because I think he's an interesting case study. Do you think he died happy? Do you think he was happy in his life, in his later life? Well, that's the, that's the
3: beautiful thing about us artists is that, you know, we, like, I'm really happy, but I think that um, what makes me want to be an artist is that part of me that's, Unhappy, the discomfort, and angry, and, and 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 you know, feels like, you know, we're so far from from being in a world that's just and 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 fair, you know, and and uh, that's what feeds my my you know desire to keep going. Frank was capable of these this hor- horrific um, bouts of of, of you know almost suicidal you know he was so romantic you know he got you know like all those all those um uh ballad albums from the 50s We Small Hours of the Morning you know When No One Cares and all that stuff that was him just having his guts ripped out by Ava Gardner and and, and other things you know the business was fucking with him you know um so these guys look like they have perfect lives because they're rich and they're on the top of the food chain. But, you know, they're processing the, the slings and arrows in the same way we are, just in a, on a, on a, on a, in a different lens and through a different set of circumstances. And therein lies their genius. It's the funky shit that makes them great. Right. Not And, you know, it's like when I wrote my memoir, there was stuff – pouring out of me that i i, I wasn 't even aware that I felt like but what i what I realized when I was writing it was I never learned anything when things were going smoothly. I never you know improved as a human being when everything was was good you know the only time uh, 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 you know i i I learned anything or or added a, a new set of um, bullets to my arsenal was when i was on the balls of my ass and everything was going badly and i was having to dig my way out of it you know if 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 you're gaining any character at all in this life you know there's no guarantee of that it's only going to come from you know getting punched square in the nose and then having to get back up and say fuck this man i'm just going to keep going
2: yeah it's so i mean
3: and frank was you know if if you if you if you really you know research he was a f- he was a guy who felt everything very 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 deeply and i feel as though it's there's a complete balance like the reason why the genius was as articulated as it was was because that's how sad he was mm-hmm. it was it came in equal, exact equal measure and he was able to to use his art form as a way, it's like therapy. As a way to exercise his demons, to to get them out, to to put them out into the universe where they could be uh, um, explored and and dissected, and maybe even, you know, um, diffused.
2: Yeah, we're such a therapied culture now. I wonder if Frank would even be able to exist fully in this reality because. He'd have therapy from an early age and wouldn't necessarily you know i mean I don't know if the trade off is worth it to be to be that much of a genius but to have to to have that sort of like you know epic level of inner torment at the mm. same at the same time mm-hmm. I just don't know if it's i just don't know if it's worth it I just think it's you know I mean, it's funny to say like, well, I hope he found some happiness when you think like, well, he had everything in the world. But those were all things, you know, like this, his career maybe was, would you say it was like a, just a search for something, some kind of stability, some kind of, something kind of real to hold on to? Yeah. And I think it was probably just a
3: search to be at peace, you know, in a, in a, in a, in, in a, 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 a body that was tormented. By one thing or another, because of how he processed life, um, he goes on stage and sings those songs, and and connects with thousands and thousands of people who are behind the the floodlights, who he can't really see, but he can feel them. <clears throat> that's when I'm at peace. You know, that's why I perform is because I'm doing something that is, you know. I've, I've, I've taken away all the funkiness of, of, of what the creative process was and now I've arrived at this thing that's refined and make-believe and there's no problems. It's, it's good. And that's, that's what all of us are uh, partially um, being fed by, you know, who, those of us who, 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 who self-express as, as their way of getting through life.
2: Maybe there's a so maybe once you once you get your podcast up and running, maybe there's a yeah. I changed my mind. Fuck that shit. <laughs> what? That was it. Wow, that was quick. That was. I was gonna say maybe there's. I'm a... am getting it all out of my off my chest right now. <laughs> By the time you leave, like yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Maybe there's a maybe there's a Springsteen style show for you where you just tell stories and then sing Sinatra songs. I mean. You tell good look, stories. I mean, look, is,
3: is Springsteen doing Sinatra in his Broadway act? God, no, I have seen it yet.
2: He's doing Springsteen in his
3: act, but I mean, but, but, but Bob Dylan's doing like one Sinatra song after another, and he's in his seventies. And so, my 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 conclusion is is that no matter how angry you were starting out, no matter how much shit you had on your foot that you had to get off and shit, you know, everybody ends up being Sinatra. You know, Joni Mitchell, like, you know, last couple of – it was all Sinatra standards she recorded with this huge orchestra.
2: Like, everybody ends up going that way, you know. Well, because I think – Linda Ronstadt, you you know. You know why I, I, I tend to think that, you know, there's a certain amount of – there's a certain amount of, like, hunger and fire that you have to have to be an artist, to want to – Ron's just
3: having a pee break. That's, Actually I feel so much better now.
2: There's a certain amount of I'm
3: really glad I'm really thankful that these new catheters are so
2: <laughs> they're so <laughs> they just go right in. Yeah,
3: they just so, go right in. Hang on, I'm changing
2: Oh there it is. Oh
3: nice I think I put that one in too deep. <laughs> nice. Ooh, I can feel that in my in my back of my throat. <laughs>
2: When I was 17. (laughs)
1: Uh.
2: (laughs) Uh, I just think with Sinatra songs, like when you're young, you have the fire and you have the hunger and you want to express the discomfort. And then you get older and these people still want to perform. And so they probably just feel like, well, these songs have the most... Like, it's sort of a proxy. It's like, I don't feel like digging and going through the torment of writing soulful, gut-wrenching music anymore. So I'm just going to take the gold standard, Mm -hmm. just Frank, and I'm going to do these songs because I feel a lot of these things. And I have a different perspective on what these were. Like you said, when you hear, you hear new things. You have a different perspective as you get older. And it's just sort of like... It allows them to express those things without having to go through the torment of creating those things. Because mm-hmm. uh, Joni, I, did she just had her 75th birthday. They did a couple shows here in L.A. and We were out of town, so we didn't get to go. Oh. And I know she showed up for one night, but I don't know if she performed. But it was just like this incredible... Like the people who performed her songs, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it was inc- it's stunning. Mm-hmm. Have you been to? Have you seen anyone live recently? Do you go out to live shows anymore?
3: No, no, no. Everybody I've seen is dead. <laughs> what if we just ended there?
2: <laughs> we just ended the podcast. Ah, well,
3: good to see you, Chris.
2: <laughs> good to see you too. This
3: has been really nice.
2: You, oh, your catheter! You just hear the pop as you, as you walk away. Uh, how many you said you perform you worked with Sinatra near the last couple of years of his life didn't work with him but um, he uh,
3: he used to, he was he would when he married Barbara she was very uh, philanthropic and so he started this golf tournament uh, to help raise funds for all of her charities mm-hmm. and he would always throw this thing uh, in, in Palm Springs or Palm Desert or whatever And I went to all of them. You know, they were always in, like, late January and stuff. And and it would be two days of golf and, you know, a a Friday and a Saturday. And then Saturday night was a black-tie dinner at which Tom Tresen would open. And then there'd be, you know, either Stephen Eadie or Tony Bennett or Liza Minnelli and then Frank performing. So it was a real special little weekend. But it was the last years of Sinatra. And Sinatra, you know um went in and out of dementia toward toward the end. So there were certain nights when you got Sinatra at his very, 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 very sharpest, finest. And then there were certain other nights where he kind, kind of was like a little confused and mm-hmm. couldn't find the, the teleprompter because, you know, he needed the teleprompter for the lyric. So it was like, for somebody like me who's obsessed with that kind of greatness and who wants to study... Study all of it, you know the, the the good the good parts and the stinky parts alike, you know, because you're gonna like get an insight into like his humanity, which I'm obsessed with. Um, this was just like a privilege to be able to just, and he got to know me. He get he kept seeing me year in and year out, and you know, we you know we we had a couple of moments and stuff, and so, uh, but I but 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 I I didn't take advantage like I should have of of hanging out with Frank. I think you probably
2: did what you felt was
3: right at the time. I was... Well, I was... I was you know, it's like, for sure, like, I'm not worthy. Like well, you're, what are you you're, supposed you're, to... you know? Sinatra. It's it
2: like, I, I, you know, I'm sure there's, you know... <laughs> it's, like, especially with people like that, with meeting your idols, there's probably that... uh like Indiana Jones and the last crusade where you're like reaching for the chalice, like I can reach it. It's right there. No, 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 don't, don't don't, let it go. You know, that if you, that if you tried to get too close, like everyone's trying to, you know, like, I don't know. I, it sounds like you had, it sounds like you had the moments you were supposed to have with him, Mm -hmm. but how are you, I mean, to have someone who's that solidified in your Life in your psyche in your mind and your philosophy I mean the first time you met him were you able to no i was hum- <laughs> i
3: humming a hud I forgot my own name um yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a pretty cool story which I've told a million times so I'm not going to tell it again but it was, it was it was it was it was definitely like I'm not worthy. I'm like, let me get the fuck out of here. You're Frank Sinatra, and I, I just need to leave, okay? I, 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 my fantasies. My, if my dad could see me shaking your hand, that's all I needed right here today. And I said some stupid ass shit about, you know, uh, like like fans do that that that. And I just said to myself, don't don't hang out here. All it's going to do is you're gonna you're gonna regret every single minute. <laughs> the longer you spend, you know with shit running down your leg, because you're with Frank Sinatra, the, 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 the worse this memory is going to become. So I I just got the fuck out. And then I I would see him over and over again at these... Because at, the first time I met him was with Sammy at a rehearsal for the that big show that they did, that last show that, that they took all over the, the world, Frank, Dean, and Sam together again, before right before they all passed away. So um, uh, that was my first meeting with him. But anyway...
2: Did you meet it? And you knew Sammy too.
3: Sammy was was, was we were friends. Sammy was my way in to meet uh, to meet Frank.
2: How was Sammy? He seemed like the, the sweetest fucking, guy, the, the, best. the best.
3: You know, it was like everybody thought he was a cliche: the peace, love, brotherhood. Sammy, you know, like he was just too good to be true. And then you meet him, and you realize that's really who he is. He's the nicest, sweetest, most generous human you've ever met, and. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful dude, and the greatest entertainer.
2: How was Dino? Did you meet Dino? Didn't really get a lot of
3: time with Dino. Dino was was um, keeping to himself in his latter years. You know, he had lost his son. Yeah. He never recovered recovered from that. And everybody was close to him. Said, "Hey, you know, that's you're never going to get to know the Dino that used to be exist." The minute his son died, he just Basically became a walking corpse and just waited for the end. Jesus, never recovered from that, which says a lot about him. You know, losing losing a son is like here's here's this guy that has this patina around him where he's you know he's he's so handsome and he's got a drink he's got a drink in his hand all the time. He's in Vegas. You got to feel like he's fucking eighteen girls a night. Yeah. He loses his son, he and he, he becomes a complete vegetable. So he wasn't the guy that he projected. He was this beautiful family guy who, who felt things as deeply as you can feel things, which is why you never know, you know, when you're looking at it, somebody who looks like they got the world on a string, and they're sitting on a rainbow, got the string around there. <laughs>
2: Finger. I was I was backing track for you. I was doing no, backing
3: I, track. I got that.
2: I got that. I'm so I feel like we need to. I feel like that there still has to be a karaoke song at some point in this. Uh, at, by the end of this podcast, well,
3: um, you know how much time we got.
2: <laughs> Hours, if you'll sing a song. I, I have one in my. I I know I'm gonna pull up a karaoke thing and then we'll just sort of we'll just sort of splice it in. And you can you know you can do it or not do it. It's totally up to you. Thank you. i love america don't you
3: so many choices
2: so many choices So little time what uh what are you what are you particularly happy about now like what are you excited about in the world i know you know i i get the sense that you feel like there's a lot of shit that's going on but but something you know like you have to have solace in something like what makes you happy now
3: Oh, my family's beautiful. My kids are beautiful. The time I get to spend with them is, 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 is golden. They both turned out to be... I have a son and a daughter, daughter and a son, really, in that order. And they both turned out to be uh, humans that I'd rather spend time with them because I laugh harder and I'm more amused with them than I am with pretty much any of my other friends. So that's a good one. That's a good thing. Um... You know, uh, I think we've probably touched on this in some of our other visitations, but um, um started my own little movie studio about six years ago, and we've now produced about nine movies, and we're doing really, really good with that. And, you know, um, it's uh, it's me being able to look at this this thing that I have this unbelievable reverence for, which is cinema, but through a completely different lens. I mean when you're producing something you're involved in all aspects of 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 the raising up of this thing whereas when you're acting you're mostly sleeping in your trailer (laughs) so uh, i'm really i'm really digging on that and uh i'm i'm grabbing huge amounts of joy and um and uh, uh pride and satisfaction from from doing that in fact I think the reason why I've been booked to talk to you here is because that we have a, one of our little movies coming out now, uh called Asher which opens um worldwide on December seventh, both in theaters and video on demand. Produced that, I star in that and I'm um, very proud of that. It's probably the, the, the project that we made, our little company made that I'm probably most proud of. And I'm happy to, you know, be here with you, uh, you know, celebrating that and i'm just at this place where i feel as though um um there's huge bounty on my table you know there's this i'm 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 in the middle of this feast this the, like this this cosmic thanksgiving <laughs> but it's but it's term. 24/7 you know it's like this like it's like you know people you you know if they're lucky you get to do it once a year and this is like my morning, noon, and night, is like this This ground booth, you know. And uh, uh, it's got all of this creativity. It's got phenomenal folks that I'm, you know, getting to... people I've known for a long time that I'm getting to see lots of and new people are coming into it. Um, so I'm um, very alive and very uh, in a state of real gratefulness, real grace... Um, and now if we could just get rid of this, uh, this, this orange, uh, you know, yeah. aberration, everything would be Jake, baby. <laughs> as my dad used to say.
2: Everything would be Jake?
3: Is that, yeah, that's an old, like, 30s or 40s expression. Everything's Jake. How's it doing? Everything's Jake. Everything's Jake. It's
2: all good. Yeah, that's it. It's all fine. Yeah. When did your dad, uh, your dad did music his whole life? He... No, he didn't. He he only
3: did it as a very young man, and the minute he started having kids, he he realized he couldn't make a living doing it, put food on the table, so he gave it up. And so he, you know, it was, it was like one of these unfinished dreams. Um, he he died at forty nine, nineteen sixty nine. I Jeez. was nineteen. So his my my relationship with him is more like uh, you know like this thing that i carry around with me that you can't see touch or smell but he's you know very much um all of the muses um but uh what was i what was i what was my point about that
2: we're talking about yeah and, and
3: and 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 um the great connection there is is that i hung in there whereas he I got to watch a man who, who who loved something like music and then had to leave it because he felt like he uh it, it 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 couldn't sustain him and he just needed to segue into something that was palpably more able to put food on the table for his burgeoning young family. And I always thought, oh man, what would life have been like if my dad got to spend his whole life doing what he loved, which was music. That's, that was his, you know, that's where he was like 110% alive. You know, everything else he did, he was like very positive dude. So he was, he was always like in the high 80s and sometimes in the low 90s. But when he was playing piano or drums or he taught himself how to play trumpet, he taught himself how to play a million things, he was 110% alive. And as somebody like me who has spent my whole life doing what I love, you know, which is, you know, working as an actor, you just wish that for the people that, you know, that shaped you. Yeah. You know? So, um,
2: but in a way you got to do that. And so his, you're sort of carrying his dream through you he made the choices that he made and that allowed you to be the person that you are mm-hmm. and you got to do that stuff so yeah, yeah, yeah. what a tremendous way to honor no, him no, no. in a way clearly and you know you know
3: um it was a you know even though he's been gone since 69 a huge connection has remained and so i'm i'm pretty sure he's like looking down and going at a boy and that, job. that makes me
2: really happy oh that's fantastic yeah we're coming up I guess it's Friday Friday is my the anniversary of my dad dying five years ago oh. on Friday but I had him until he was 72 mm-hmm. you know so I you know I was I was lucky that I had him for that long mm-hmm. but it yeah. does yeah. you know it did it, uh, it does make you reflective it definitely makes you reflective but all this choices. stuff all this stuff I mean just to put a,
3: a, a, a you know a, a, a reference to it all is like all the stuff that you and I have been talking about, including dick jokes and everything like that, and Sinatra and love for movies, that was all given to me by him. Those were the things that he loved. He, nobody loved Sinatra more than my old man. Nobody understood why he loved Sinatra more than my old man. And uh, same thing with movies. I mean, I used to sit there and watch Red River, you know, and Adventures of Robin Hood. These, you know, these were his favorite movies and movie stars, Gable and Tracy and Jimmy Cagney and Eddie G. Robinson and Barbara Stanwick and, you know, Coop, you know, and Bogey and he he gave me all that. So there was this amazing torch that was that was uh passed on to me, you know. A and, and it was a fully like uh pay attention to this shit, kid. This is important, you know? And it, it, it turns out it was, you know. It turns out it was because, in the big picture, you're saying like, "What makes you happy, Ron?" That's the shit that still does. That's the stuff that makes life worth living. And it's like, I, I in honor of the great Stan Lee, yes. Um, I just tweeted out a, one of the many beautiful quotes this morning. Or like, it was something like. Um, but it was a Stan Lee quote, and I think it was from the sixties, where he said, I always was kind of like disappointed that I didn't go into something important like medicine or law or teaching. And then one day I realized how much people love to be entertained. And it was like this he he, he finally understood the nobility of storytelling. And I thought that was,
2: you know I mean when you a great way to remember Stan. I wrote, I wrote a little thing about him, too, and because when you think about the things that came out of that guy's head, I can't even imagine our culture without that. Yeah. I mean, literal. I mean, this guy who probably in the early days just felt like, ah, I don't know, no one's really, no one's really, who gives a crap about, and billions, billions of people multi-generations for generations to come he i mean he's already legendary and he like that guy's name will will live on you know in 500 years and they look back at the like the same way that we look back at creators of you know like artists and creators his name will be synonymous with that i mean he just his whole persona everything about him even his stage persona versus like the guy that I suspect that he was, who was a very, you know, like sweet, soft, quiet guy, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the, Hey, everybody, you know, like that big character. I loved both of them. Mm -hmm. Like that guy was just the, Mm. he was just such a sweetheart. Yeah.
3: And you can see, by the way, this is the one thing that social media is really good for because we've lost in just the last, two years, like, you know, Prince and David Bowie and, and George Michael. And, you know, we've lost so many and Bourdain and, and, you know, you can, and Aretha and you, you know, you, you, you can see in real time because of how, you know, the, the response, what people are, are sharing about what these figures meant to them on social media. And Stan Lee is, is you know, the way that he's being remembered and honored by so many people who matter and who count. Everybody is, like, weighing in on this loss. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 he would have liked it. Of
2: course he would have.
3: <laughs> There's a lot of people that really would have dug being at their own memorial. Like, hey, that fight—I didn't realize. It. I was—I was, I guess I was pretty cool.
2: <laughs> you know. I mean, there was a little—you know—he was sort of like—I uh, don't know—he's like a little bit of PT Barnum. Yeah, there was a little bit of Hefner, you know, yeah, like uh, and yeah. a little bit like that kind of slick, and then a little bit of uh, you know, and then but then he ultimately had the heart of a nerd. Like he just. Do you yeah, it's just a great just a just a good solid guy, but it and to think that i mean you talk about how your career really kind of hit when you were in your fifties mm-hmm. i mean he he always had stuff going on, but it was really i mean I would almost say when he was about seventy is when it really all like started to take off, yeah. you know i mean he always he was always legendary to a certain group up to that point but you know when the when all when like when the marvel stuff started going really big cinematically and it became you know very multi-generational and, and it, it uh like that you know that yeah. was like the last 25 years of his life yeah it just you just don't ever know and it does you know for anyone who's struggling or feels like they don't have what they want right now or this it's like you know just enjoy the fucking process you never know when it's gonna hit and you just got to enjoy all of it you never know all of it yeah um well i want to pull some. i want to pull this up i mean i I know i know what i want to find let's see
3: To take the first one.
2: No, you you do it.
3: When I was seventeen. It was a very good year. It was a very good year for small town girls and soft summer nights. We'd hide from the lights On the village green
1: When I was 17
2: That's all I got. When I was 21!
3: You're early, you're early. Oh, sorry. This is the segue. So I'm, I'm,
2: I'm too young. That's a problem. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. And... When I was 21 It was a very good year It was a very good year For city girls Who lived up the stair. With all that perfumed hair, and it came undone when I was twenty one. Boy, this song really goes on. Yeah.
1: It's, e- it's
3: epic, it's epic What's what? It's epic
2: What's this song mean to you?
3: Well, only an older man could have ever recorded this song Because you have to come to terms with When I was 35 Right It was a very good year It was a very good year For blue-blooded girls of independent means We'd ride in limousines Their chauffeurs would drive When I was 35 I don't know if I got that right, but anyway, those were the words. But you have to be an older man in order to... And the thing that was amazing about Frank's career is that he was always pitch perfect with with finding the ways, the moments of demarcation. Yep. This song was like, when it came to him and when he got to record it, it was flawlessly timed for... Because right after this, he decided to retire. Now, he didn't stay retired, but he retired for like three or four years. And it was like, yeah, I've reached the point where... You know, this this, this this verse, you can read it, because we've already blown the...
2: Oh, yeah, we're well into it. From the brim to the dregs.
3: That's it. I'm, from the brim to the dregs. It
2: poured sweet and clear.
3: It was a very good year. Well, it was a very good year, Ron, and this was a very good time. It continues to be. It's only November, for Christ's sake. Don't <laughs> wish my life away, <laughs> You have the Thanksgiving tree up. It's not even Christmas yet.
2: <laughs> Good to see you, around Perlman. Good to see you, Chris. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. It's wrapped in fine tortilla. There's meat and cheese inside And maybe some lettuce Hold the onions for me I gotta go pee When you were 23 (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, Ron, your catheter Ow, shit, that
3: was That was one fine pee
0: (laughs) ID 10T scanning complete Enjoy your burrito